Hey friends, this is Keenan, the Creative Arts Minister at the Christian Church of Carl Junction. And I just want to say thank you for joining us for this podcast. The Christian Church of Carl Junction exists to glorify God by being disciples who make more disciples. We do that by coming to God, thriving in family, and going on mission for His kingdom. We hope that this podcast helps you take next steps in following Jesus with everything that you have. Now, here's today's podcast episode. Good morning. If you know me very well, uh, you know that I like to move a lot, and I have promised the camera people that I will try not to move tons for them so they don't have to do this the entire morning. So good morning. We're glad you're here with us. If you're joining us online, I'm also super thrilled that it's working today and that you're joining us for our time together. Uh, I was prepping for the sermon, and I had some things in my childhood start coming up in memories for me. Uh, there's sayings that sometimes stick with you longer than other sayings. I, I am one of five children. I'm right in the middle uh, for my mom and dad. And so there's lots of things that my mom had to do just in corralling us kids to just be obedient and to do the things that we're supposed to do. Uh, one of the things I heard my mom say a lot was, it takes two to fight. And it happened a lot with five of us around, right? It takes two to fight. Uh, settle down. And she'd also would say, is this worth the fight? And as the middle child would be like, yes, it is always worth the fight. And she would tell me, no, it wasn't always worth the fight, right? My mom would say, choose your battles wisely. Is it worth the fight? Those are some things that my mom would always say to me. Some things I would hear my dad say, actually one that really sticks out to me the most is, obey right away. Disobeying brings pain. And as an honorary child, to me, pain was I was going to get swatted a lot growing up, right? (laughs) That was the pain that was going to come my way if I disobeyed. And as I grew older, it went from swats to timeouts. It moved from timeouts to groundings from my car, from my phone, from different things in high school, right? The punishments changed as I got older, but there was always some pain to me. And it wasn't until recently that I discovered that there was more wisdom in my dad's statement, obey right away, disobeying brings pain, than just pain to me. My dad didn't say that there's going to be pain just to Keenan, the, but there's going to be pain when you don't obey. And I learned that the hard way uh, in high school. I don't even remember what the event was. My dad uh, is a local pastor in Joplin, and he was doing some event for the, uh, the church he's on staff with, and I was told to pick up a few things to bring uh, on his behalf. And I was kind of selfish and wasn't paying attention to the clock, doing my own thing, talking to a lot of people and hanging out, and got there late, for one, and then didn't even pick up the stuff and route. And I remember walking in, and I was like, let's do this, Dad, let's go. And he's like, where's the stuff? I don't even remember what the stuff was, just to be honest. I don't remember what I was supposed to get. But I remember my dad's disappointment. I said, I didn't get anything. And I turned around and realized that the stuff I was supposed to bring, whatever it was, was what we were needed to do the event. And all these faces in the room were so disappointed at me, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, disobeying brings pain beyond me. In that moment, it's funny, as silly as it is, disobeying actually brought pain to everybody in the room because they didn't get to experience the event either. And these memories started flooding my mind because of what we're going to be talking about today in James chapter 2. 
I would love for you to go ahead and turn there. James chapter 2 is the passage we're in this morning. If you don't have a Bible, I would love to connect with you and get you a Bible. If you're joining us online, we'd love to make sure you get a Bible. You can actually send an email to our discipleship minister, James Billings, james at cccj.church. We'd love to connect with you and give you God's word. James chapter 2, though, and I promise we'll come back to the story at the end of obey right away, disobeying brings pain. I think there's some correlation that ties into there. And I want to see if you see it as well. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into this morning's passage. Almighty God in heaven, we adore you. We are so grateful for your son and the opportunity we've been given to come into your presence today. May we use every moment we are given to glorify you as we learn to be disciples who make more disciples. In your name we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We are in James chapter 2 this morning, starting in verse 14. I would love for you to read along with me. It says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Before we go too far, I just want to talk for a moment about this passage because I think it's easy to get into the faith and deeds things and just to kind of, it kind of gets confusing, to be honest. Like, why is James talking about our faith and our deeds? And first, you need to know who he's writing to. James was writing to a church that was primarily made up of people who grew up Jewish and who had converted to Christianity. And everything in the Jewish system says that you have to earn your favor. Like, they did all these things to earn favors of God, whether it was sacrifices, whether it was attending festivals, whether it was doing all these things, they wanted to earn God's favor. So they worked, 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 worked really hard to earn God's favor. And then Christianity came along and Jesus came along. And then this guy named Paul would write in Ephesians that it's by grace you have been saved, not by works. And they latched onto that. And they went from this extreme of working for everything to I don't need to do a thing. My actions mean nothing because it's by grace I've been saved. They missed, though, that if you would read the rest of that passage in Ephesians, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not by works that anyone can boast, for you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. They missed that part. They latched on to the first part, though, right? I don't have to do any more work. And James is writing to this church, as we found that out in James chapter 1, the first couple verses, it's to the church, 12 tribes scattered amongst the nations. These people who used to be Jewish but are now Christians, and they have, they have left their way of doing merit-based things. They're hoping and they're praying and holding on to grace. This thing, if you don't know what grace is, grace is a really cool word. Grace is a word that means unmerited favor. It literally means you do nothing to earn God's favor. You're not good enough. You're not cool enough. There's no amount of work you can do to earn it. God just gives it to you. Unmerited favor. Paul says that it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And what was happening to this early church is they were disassociating their words from their actions. I don't need to do anything because I said it. I said I believe in God. I said I care about you. Isn't that good enough? And James would say, no, it's not. Let's pick it up again. James chapter 2, verse 
15. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You see, they have this problem in the early church, especially amongst Jewish converts to Christianity. And the problem was that they would see people's needs like, hey, I realize that you don't have enough clothes. Hey, I realize you're starving. Hey, I realize you need help. I will pray about that and ask God to help you. And they would walk away. And this is not me saying prayer is not good. Please don't hear me say that. Prayer is awesome. You should be praying for people. But you also should be living out your faith as well. If you are in people's lives and you see the things, you shouldn't walk away from them. If it's in your power to act, you should do something about it. And that's what this church was struggling with. And it's not just something James points out. Actually, this guy named Jesus, you know, the Jesus we celebrate, the Jesus who's the savior of the world, he tells this story about this guy who was on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho. And some bandits beat him up and left him to die on the side of the road. And this religious guy walks up, sees him, goes to the opposite side of the road, and keeps going because he doesn't have time to mess with the needs. And then Jesus says a second religious guy comes, sees the man on the road, but doesn't have time to take care of him. He's on his way to something else, so passes him by and goes on to his thing. A third person comes, though, a Samaritan. And if you know anything about the Jewish system, they did not like Samaritans at all. A Samaritan shows up, though, sees this guy who is broken, he's hurting, he's dying, and he takes care of him at his own expense. And we miss some of the cultural things that go on because we're not Jewish and we're not Samaritans. But when Jesus would have said that story originally, they would have been shocked. A Samaritan helping a Jewish person and not the religious leaders? Oh! And Jesus said, that's the point. They saw the things going on around them, but they were too busy doing good things to actually take care of the needs in front of them. And James is saying this, that if you really believe something, if you or I, if we really believe something, then we start to live it out. If we truly believe in something, we start to live it out. It starts to come out of us and comes into every fiber of our being and everyone knows about it. If we really believe something, then we live it out. If you're around me very long, you'll know that there's about five things you'll hear me talk about. A lot. The first one is food, right? I like food, good food, especially good food, right? I love talking about food, especially that's smoked. If it's um, Chick-fil-A, I really like Chick-fil-A. I'll talk about food a lot. Another thing I'll talk about is music. I like things from jazz to heavy metal to Christian music. I love music. You'll hear me talk about my family. I absolutely adore my little family and my daughter. I love telling stories about her. You'll hear me talk about uh, Jesus. I love Jesus. That's an important thing. If you're around me long enough, you'll hear me talk about Jesus. I love sports. We're in sports season. It's my favorite sports season. It's football season. You'll hear me talk about the Chiefs. I love these things. If you're around me long enough, you'll hear me talk about them. I just can't help it. It comes out of me. 
And it reminds me of a time when I was a kid. I am still, but also as a kid, was really into Star Wars. I loved playing Star Wars. I pretended I was a Jedi all the time, and I had a lightsaber. Even in college, I would pretend I was a Jedi with a lightsaber, right? And I would go around saving the galaxy. It was awesome. I would live it out. And it's just a reminder that the things we believe, if we truly believe something, then we start to live it out. If we really, truly believe something, it becomes so much on display for other people. If we really believe something, then we live it out. But James isn't done there. Let's pick it up. Next verse. But somebody will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Again, he's writing to a Jewish audience, right? They grew up knowing the Old Testament inside and out. They knew that God created a perfect world. And before that had happened, God had created these angelic beings to serve in his presence. And some of them chose to rebel against him, which is just mind-blowing to me. You're in the presence of the Almighty Creator. You watched him call the stars out. You watched him call the creatures out of the sea. You watched him get his hands dirty and make humanity and breathe life into them, and you still chose to rebel against him? Blows my mind. He's talking about those creatures, those demons. He says they were in the presence of God. They know, he's a, he know, he, they know he exists, but their actions speak volumes about they don't really believe in him, though. They don't follow him but they know he exists. And James says, even the demons know he exists. So it's more than just knowing something. You actually got to live it out. To a point that what is happening on the inside of somebody should bear evidence on the outside of you. It should come out of you. What is happening on the inside should bear evidence to what is happening on the outside. It just can't help but come out of you. And be on display not for your glory, but to prove what God is doing in your life and through your life. It just can't be helped. It will come out of you. What is happening on the inside should bear evidence on the outside. But James doesn't stop there. He's worried in this passage that you might read through these things and that you might miss out on what he's trying to say. So he gives us two examples from the Old Testament of how this looks. Let's read those together. Example one is about this guy named Abraham. He says, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, And it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not faith alone. Abraham is this guy that the Jewish people would tie their whole ancestry back to. They would prove that they were true Israelites by tracing their genealogy back to Abraham. Abraham's kind of a big deal. So if you're writing to a bunch of people that used to be Jewish, but are now Christians, you want to give them a good example of what it looks like to have faith in action, you write about what they know, their own history. So he writes about Abraham. He says, you remember Abraham. 
You know, that guy from Genesis that God called out of Ur the Chaldeans, and he sent him to a promised land that he would show him, that God blessed and made his name great. Abraham, who was really, really, really old when he had a son, he'd waited a long time for his son Isaac, the promise of God. And then Isaac was on this earth for a little bit, and then God said, I want you to sacrifice Isaac on the altar to me. And in Genesis, we don't, see, we don't see Abraham going, no, 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 God. He's my promise. Abraham says, okay. And the author of Hebrews writes, actually, that Abraham believed God and that he believed that if he sacrificed Isaac, that God had the power to raise him back from the grave. Abraham hadn't seen it. Abraham wasn't promised that's what God would do, but he knew if God has the power to give me Isaac, then God has the power to give him to me again if he wants to. So he just trusts God. He gathers the supplies for the altar, for the sacrifice. He goes up on a mountain. He ties Isaac up. And Isaac is really curious what is going on. We have everything we need for the offering except for the ram, for the burnt offering. And Abraham says the Lord himself will provide the ram for the offering. Bounds Isaac, puts him on the altar, takes out his knife and goes to sacrifice Isaac. And God says, Abraham, wait. Abraham looks up and there's a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. God provided. And I, I love that James uses this because James points out, other writers point out, and even Abraham's life points out, Abraham didn't know God was going to do it. Abraham had no idea that God would intervene. He just knew that God was trustworthy and that his actions had to back his words. That he confessed that God was real and he wanted to follow him and so he had to do it with his actions. They were one. But Abraham, I mean, sorry, James is worried that you'll read the story and still miss the point. So he gives you a second example from the life of Rahab. And it says this, In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Rahab was this lady who lived in a town called Jericho. God had delivered his people out of Egypt and was taking them into the promised land, and there was this massive city in their way named Jericho. Joshua, the leader of the Israelites, you can read about the story yourself in Joshua, sent two spies in to see what was going on. Spy out the city, figure out its weaknesses, figure out its defenses. And they were going to get caught by the city officials. They knew something was up. Rahab hides the men, distracts the guards, sends them on their way, and then sends the guys on their way and asks them for one thing. She says, I know that your God is going to give you the city, and when you, that happens, would you spare my life? And I love that James uses her as an example because she is an outsider at this point. She's not even considered a part of the Jewish family. She will be later. She becomes one of their people. But before this even happens, she heard about the things that their mighty God did and wanted to belong to that kingdom. She knew that if God was with them, that she was going to lose. And so she wanted to be on the winning team. 
And they said, yeah, take a red cord, tie it, and put it out your window, and when we come, God will deliver you. So for seven days, they marched around this wall, and on the seventh day, they marched, they yelled, they screamed, they threw down things, broke things. God shattered the walls, except for Rahab's house. And from that point, Rahab would actually become an Israelite, and from her family line would come David, who would become Jesus from that family tree. She proved more than words by her actions that she trusted and obeyed God to do awesome things. She knew that God could do it. And she wanted to follow through with her words. I think we have this problem. I know I have it. So I'm making assumptions about you. I think as Christians we have a problem that we like to say things, but we don't like to follow through with our actions on it. We like to use prayer sometimes as a crutch instead of actually getting into the lives of people. And I said that earlier. Prayer is not a bad thing, but sometimes we use it as an excuse. There is this writer um, who did a commentary on the book of James, and he said something really cool that I want to read to you. He says that um, we can sometimes pray as a substitute for action. I want you to hear that again. We can sometimes pray as a substitute for action. Instead of actually getting in, doing the work, and doing what God's called us to do, we can sometimes say, I see your problem. I know I can fix it. I'm just going to pray about it, though, and let's, maybe God will send someone else. Jesus does this really cool thing about that. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is preaching to this crowd, and he, it says that he sees them like sheep without a shepherd, and he's heartbroken. And he turns to his disciples, and he says, the harvest is plentiful. There's so many people out there who need to join my kingdom. But the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, or pray to the Lord of the harvest, to send out workers into his harvest field, to send out people to live life of faith so boldly that people want to join the kingdom of God. And I love it because Matthew chapter 9 ends there. And if you flip the page, Matthew 10 is Jesus sending the 12 to be the answer to that prayer. He shows them even in that moment that when you pray for things, he expects you to be the hands and the feet and to be the fulfillment of that prayer if you're able to. If it's within your power to do something, do it. I'm not saying that every situation I need you to come up to, you're going to be able to solve. I'm not even saying that you're going to be able to always come across people like, oh man, I have the ability, I have the finances, I have the, the time, the resources to take care of that. You're not always going to be able to. Which is why prayer is an important thing. But if you do have the ability to, there's a good chance that God is sending you to be the answer to that prayer. To be his hands and to be his feet. And if I could summarize everything James is saying into one statement, it's this. Stop waiting and get to work. Stop waiting and get to work. Do the things that God's called you to do. Stop waiting for God to show up and say, hey, I think that God is still wanting me to wait, even though he's given you everything you need to live a godly life. The Bible says so. Even though he's already given you everything you need to do to learn how to be his people, to be obedient to him. Stop waiting and start living the life God's called you to do. Get to work, Christians. 
If you're a follower of Jesus, you're not called to wait, you're called to go. That's why this whole series is called Sent. Not wait. That's why this whole series is called Sent. Not, let's see what happens. God has sent you into a broken and hurting world to be his hands and his feet, and it's time for you to stop waiting and get to work. I said at the beginning that I hope you would see a correlation between obey right away because disobeying brings pain and what we've been going through. And if you missed it, I want to wrap it up for you and help you with this. We live in a world that is broken and lost that we are called as Christians to be ambassadors to. And if we don't do that by our words and our actions, then there are people who will literally go to hell this week and spend eternity separated from God because you disobeyed, pain happened. Disobeying brings pain. So obey right away. Do the work of the kingdom. James wraps it up actually this way, not in this passage, but he wraps it up in chapter four. We're gonna skip ahead a little bit. This is gonna be in a couple weeks, but I love it. He says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. Christian, you know what you should do now. And James bluntly says that if you don't do the good you know you're supposed to do, you're sinning. So stop waiting, get to work. Do the work of the kingdom. Do the things that God has called you to do and live lives that produce a righteousness. Paul says that you have fruits of the, of the Spirit in your life that show that you're living in righteousness towards God. Then there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things should be the things that are bearing witness to the things that God is doing in your life. Get to work. Living for the kingdom of God. If you've never followed Jesus, then I want to invite you to take a next step in surrendering to him as your king. That that work that is going on in the inside of your life may start to bear witness on the outside. How we do that around here is this thing called baptism. You're lowered into water for the forgiveness of your sins and you're raised out into new life. It is symbolic of what God is doing on the inside. And we want to call you to that life. If that's a next step you need to take, I would love for you to meet me at the Welcome Center or at the Next Steps table. And if you're joining us online, that's a step you need to take. Send us a message. I will get back to you this afternoon. We want to partner with you in taking next steps and following Jesus. But for those of you who've already surrendered to Jesus and his calling, I really would love to challenge you this morning. Before you leave this room, take inventory of your life and actually look at it and say, God, does my words for your kingdom match my actions? James chapter one, we talked about it two weeks ago. This is not a verse we really got to, but it says that we're supposed to have our actions, our words match our actions. James chapter one calls you to this life. This is something that James says over and over again. Your words and your deeds should match each other as you live for the kingdom of God. And so many of us don't as believers. And if I ended right there, that would be very hopeless, wouldn't it? (laughs) So I'm not going to end there. You don't have to live this way, believer. As a Christian, you actually can choose today to stop having a dead faith and start having a living faith with action. If you need help, I would love to help you with that. I'm not perfect. None of our staff members are, but we'd love to help you. Stop by the next steps table. Send us a message. Don't 
leave today with a dead faith, embrace the life God has for you. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna stand and sing one more song together. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father in heaven, we love you. We are so grateful for your son and the opportunity we've been given to come into your presence today. To use every moment we are given to glorify you as we learn to be disciples, people who love and obey Jesus. As we make more disciples, more people who love and obey Jesus. Father, may we use every moment we're given for your glory and to invite people into your grace. In your name we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Christian Church of Carl Junction podcast. If you're looking to take next steps in following Jesus, please email me at Kenan at cccj.church, and I would love to connect with you in taking your next step in following Jesus.